Boker Tov, we're continuing the Gemara Moikot Nechav Beis Amid Beis. We are discussing still differences between mourning for a regular uh, relative and difference of parents. Okay, so this, we're still in the topic of ripping your garments and there's still more distinctions between ripping a garment over a regular relative or over a father and mother. So I'll call him Asim Kulam for all the deceased. Ratsa, if you want, Mavdil Kamei Sofa Shalot. You may separate the garment beyond the border of the neck slit, which means you're ripping up into two, if you want. Ratsa, ain't a Mavdil. If you want, you don't have to separate the garment beyond the border of the neck slip, but can simply begin tearing the bo- uh, the border of the neck slip itself. So, so let's explain what this means. A rent that begins in the neck slit, okay? Now they had different kinds of shirts in those days, but whatever, it was like round. This was the neck, the hole, right? Which is usually finished at the border, so it doesn't tear easily. That's the normal thing. So if you begin there is a less obvious sign of mourning as it can be viewed as an extension of the neck slit itself. It's like a V-neck and you rip from the V? The the yeah, something like that. Okay. Nevertheless, rending the neck slit the length of a tefach is sufficient for deceased relatives other than one's father or mother. In other words, it's not the greatest place to do it because you got a hole here anyway. Again, it's, you have to imagine other types of clothing, all right? Because it doesn't work with us. Because whatever we do, it looks obvious. But if you already have a hole through over the head and you just cut a little bit, it's, it's not exactly that obvious. I'm sure after wear and tear, the next slit wears down anyway. But if you, it, but if you did at least a tefach from the next slit, okay, it's still good enough for regular relatives. But for one's parent, one must begin the tear beyond the next slit. Notice you don't start from the next slit. You start from the middle. Whatever, somewhere else. So now you see this out of nowhere, it's coming up. Okay? So you have to go beyond. So it's obvious the garment is being rent. Okay? So Rashi seems to explain Kame Safa as beyond the border. That is, the next slit is called the Safa, the border. And the area beyond the next slit is the area beyond the border. Uh, although the language doesn't really seem to fit. Okay. Uh, the other Rashi in another place learns Kame Safa as simply the border that reinforces the neck slit, the neck opening. Accordingly, the Bryce is stating that for deceased relatives, other than one's parents, the mourner need not begin the tear from the edge of the collar but may rather poke a hole in the garment below the collar. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> and below the collar and rip down from there, even though the garment will not appear to be rent in two. In other words, there's two different points over here. The one hand, according to first shot of Rashi, the less obvious is from the next slit, okay? Uh, and um, therefore, it will be more obvious if you do it somewhere else. That's a brand new thing. So what about if you do from the next slit? But go further down. Oh, then you don't even have a shirt. 
if you keep ripping, you know, it's a, it's it's like we're oh, gonna rip all the way down. No, not the yard. I mean, let's say you're going from the next leg. You do it. Yeah. Okay, I still want the shirt to be usable. It's still a shirt, right? But anyway, so but but uh, so that's one way of looking at it. So from the from the not the next slip becomes more obvious. Other shot rash exact opposite. It's saying that um, what's a more noticeable rip when it rips in two. In other words, that and that happens from the neck because we do it from the neck. Now it's separately like two. If you do it in here, a zoi, it's it's. It's not in two. It's, it's still one. And with a little opening in the middle, but it's not in two. So that's the two different pshatim that we're going with. But So therefore, for a regular relative, you can go either way. But al-avi val-imo, which has to be always much clearer, mavdu, you have to separate the garment beyond the border, the next slip. So that will depend on the two pshatim. Does it mean that you have to start badafka away from the border? Or no, you for sure have to start on the border, depending on the two pshatim and Rashi. Okay? So now, comes along Rabbi Yehuda on the same topic. Budomer, kol kriya she'eno mavdil kame shafa shalanu. Any ripping which does not separate the garment beyond the border, the next slip, ena elakera shel tiflus. It's a cutting that's useless. So therefore, Rabbi holds that even for relatives other than one's <laughs> parent, the mourner does not fulfill his rending obligation if he merely tears the neck slit further. In other words, whichever one is the less one, it's not good. For in that case, the rent appears to be no more than an extension of the neck slit. That's according to the first shot of Rashi. In the case of all deceased relatives, the mourner fulfills the rending obligation only if he separates the garment beyond the border of the neck slit. That's what he says. Okay. So anyway, we'll see there's more to go over here. But clearly, the, the ripping, well, it's a machlokas, really. According to one opinion, you have different levels of ripping. And for a regular relative, it doesn't have to be as substantial as for a parent. Rebuta says, no, it's got to be the same for a parent. Uh, same way, because it's not considered proper ripping. All right, we'll see. We're far from done with this sugya. Now, we're interrupting the price again. Amr of Abo. Abo says, my time Rabbi Yehuda. What's the reason of Rabbi Yehuda, who says it's got to somehow separate from one way or the other? Dixiv, here we're talking about how Elisha ripped his garments when he saw his teacher, Elio, was swept away with the going up there. And a, and a student is supposed to rip his garment when he sees his rebbe goes away, is, it dies. It says, Vayichazek piv gadov, he took hold of his garments, Vayikra'im, and he ripped them, Lishnayim kroim, into two pieces. So why did he have to tell us into two pieces? Right? So, Memash v'shinemer Vayikra'im, when it says, and he ripped them, don't I know they were in two pieces? Because when you rip something, it's usually in two pieces. Rather, the Pusuk saying they appeared ripped into two distinct rips. The rip you make in mourning as well as the separate rip of the next slit. Okay, 
So again, so according to Rashi, the meaning here is the garment must look as if it is torn into two pieces. The red must begin at the edge of the collar because then there's two pieces. But if you do it in the middle of the garment, the garment would not appear like two since the two parts would remain attached both heads above and beyond. So that's his proof. Okay? So it's got to look like that. And that's why we do start from... Uh, now, there's what's practical, depending on what you're wearing. If you're wearing this, therefore, what do we do? We, we rip it where you got this opening. So now, it's going to be two pieces. Right? If I would just rip here, it's not two pieces. So we got to rip and go over the heart and down. So it may have to end up being more than a tefach because there's no other way to do it. Right? Because you're starting from the middle. So you got to get to the left first. And then you go down a tefach. So then you're going to have basically this part flapping back. So then you have two rips like that. Okay? So that's the halacha. And that should be the same thing also for, according to Rabbi Huda, for all relatives. But you rip the other way. For if it's not apparent, you rip over the right side. Okay, so it really looks like it's ripped. Okay, Brysa continues. Now, what about sewing it back? So, again, you see the differences in societies. Nowadays, if you have a rip, you throw it out. Finished. Have you seen anybody lately who darns socks? Maybe your booby did? But, but they used to. What are you talking about? You're going to throw out a good sock just because a hole in it? You sew it up. That's all. So you imagine those. Is how many garments did they have, right? So you ripped it. Now what am I going to wear after shiva? So we'll see exactly what you can do. So I'll call hamesim kulam for all people that you're mourning for besides father and mother. Sholel laacher shiva. You can baste the uh, rip after the shiva. Umaacha laacher shloshim. And you can sew it properly after 30 days. Basting is like you're just doing a few, and there's a lot of space still, but it, it's clo- it's closed, but it's not complete. So, uh, therefore, wherever it's forbidden to base the rent, you'll see it's, it's forbidden even to pin the edges together. Okay? Now, al ovi val imo, but for a father and a mother... Then, you can baste it after 30, but you can never sew it properly together. Okay, now, here we come to what I mentioned to you yesterday. But a woman who's mourning, and there's sneeze issues, she immediately bastes it on account of her honor, even after the burial, even during Shiva, because it's dishonorable for a woman to re- remain wearing a ripped-up garment that's not been basted. Ritva explains that dishonor lies in the woman's being exposed. Plain and simple. Hence, he explains that this b'risa does not follow the view of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah in the b'risa above who rules that a woman first rents her inner garment, turns it around, and only then rents her outer garment, so that no time is she exposed. Rather, this b'risa follows the view of the Tanakama who says it's it's unseemly for a woman to wear a torn garment if her skin is not exposed. 
All right, so there's different ways of doing this. Really, either way is fine. But as I said, this last one really is the most practical one. Okay, now, still doing with the ripping business. Kiyosa Ravin Amarav Yochan, when Ravin came uh, from to Bavel, from Eretz Yisrael, he said, Rav Yochanan, I'll call for all the people that you're mourning for, regular, Ratz, if you want Korea Biyad, you rip with your hand, or Ratzah Korea Bikli, or use a utensil such as a knife. So you're not going to ruin the garment, because when you make a rip with a knife, it's less uh, jagged and whatever. It's easier to fix. When you rip with your hand, it's much, much more difficult uh, to repair it at a later date. On the other hand, Al Avi Valima, but for a parent, Biyad, it has to be done with the hand. Uh, now, of course, if you try to rip your shirt with your hand, you will not succeed at all. So therefore, you're allowed to first take a, take a knife and make a little incision so you have from where to begin the rip. And that is indeed what we do. Uh, so therefore, it comes out. If it's for a parent, you will just rip with the knife a touch right at the edge, and then they allow them to rip it completely. If it's for an other relative, they can just use the knife completely, and you don't have to do it with your hands. Okay, next, another difference over here. <laughs> you thought this ripping was such a simple thing. Right? There's a lot of differences here. That's gonna be a machlokas, what this means. For uh, when mourning for all the relatives, you render your garments on the inside. What does that mean? You stick your hand under your cloak and rends the garment so the rending is not done in public view. Alternatively, the meaning is that we may rend his garments inside the privacy of a room and need not rend them in public. So there's two interpretations. Now, with a shirt, it's not so simple for this. But if you have a cloak, it's more obvious. Whereas you have the cloak and you cut from the inside. Okay, or again, even if you're starting from here, but you're still kind of from the inside, no one's seeing your hand doing the ripping. Okay, as opposed to doing from the outside. Okay, or second shot is, you could do it inside the funeral home in that little room and no one has to see. But for but you'll see for a parent, it's gonna be different. Okay, and that's, uh, it could be from the inside. And for parents, it goes from the outside. In other words, you don't hide it with anything. Uh, you just cut it straight out. Or really, even what he's saying, hiding with a cloak can even mean they have a cloak over the person so no one can see what he's doing. Okay? And they do it publicly. So publicly would be more at the cemetery. Because now it's out in the open. Uh, again, you don't have to do it standing in front of people, people watching you do that, but it's outside, uh, so to speak, from that. Okay. Amarachista, uh, Erachista says, Lenasi, and the same applies with a, for a Nasi, that when people rip their garments, it's on the outside when you mourn for him, uh, because he wants to show the increased anguish. Everybody rips their garment, because a Nasi is you know, almost like a king. Okay. So that is Rav Chisda's opinion. Now the Lord is going to ask a question on this. 
what Rechisa just said about everyone rips on the outside for a nasi from the following price. May survey. When did they compare ripping for a nasi to a parent? Except regarding to sewing the garment properly, but not in terms of where you render it outside. So therefore, just like by the parents, it can never be really repaired. So when you rip for a nasi, it can never really be repaired. Right? And that's what, more, that, that's what the Bryce just says. They only compared them to the fact you can't repair it. You only compared the Nasi, the parents, in regards to repairing it. So must mean, if that's the only thing, so my love, I feel Nasi, it means even to a Nasi, right? That, that, that's the rule. So now the Gemara says, lo, no, it really refers to all those mentioned in the Brisa, except for the Nasi, Labar for whom it is done the same as him. Okay. So that's what the, so the Bryce is listing a whole bunch of things. So they were figuring that was, we're talking about the Nasi. This was listing a lot of different things, a lot of different people in this. So they thought it was referring to exclude the Nasi. He says, no, it's really excluding others besides the Nasi. Okay, fine. So no question from there. Now we have a story with Rav Chista where he did that rule. Nesia Shachif, one has happened that the Nasi died. Amalur of Chista, Rav Chista said, What should we do? Turn over the mortar and stand, stand on top of it. Okay, I guess you want to have a place where you can be visible. And show your act of rending to the public. So they should all see you rending your garment and be prompted to follow as well. Okay, so now the question is. Again, different levels of people. What kind of mourning are you going to do? Further teachings. Remember we talked about a couple days ago where you bare the shoulders, although we don't do that nowadays. So what if a, a sage, in other words, he, a rabbi who, who passed in Shilas in the city, so when you're mourning for that sage, you bear your shoulder on the right shoulder. Al-av. A bezdin for the head of the bezdin, you uh, be small. You do it on the left side. Why on the left side? There's a greater sign of mourning for the cloaks that people wore generally covered the left side more than the right side. I guess that was the style. Hence, bearing the left shoulder was more important. Al nasi, but for a nasi, mikan umikan, both sides. Oh, okay, uh, that's one shot. Uh, and some say, yeah, okay, fine. Now, turn around. So it's all not Nogea for us. We don't do any of this. Turn around. Now, if a wise person dies, he's a person who people are learning from him. Base medrasho batel. Learning ceases. In other words, if he was a Rebbe and was teaching people, and now he dies, it closed down the yeshiva temporarily for the funeral. But more than that, throughout the shiva, these disciples cancel the regular sessions in his house of study in order to eulogize him. Okay? Now, some say it's only the day of his death. And even after eulogies, these disciples do not stay together in the house of study, but rather pair off to study in groups of care in their homes. You know, they do not gather to study in the deceased house of study so that they not neglect to eulogize him because they have not made any significant change in their study routine. In other words, the point is, 
life is not normal for that day. It's not like, oh, okay, the Rebbe died, and I would just go back to Yeshiva, we're learning, and this and that, like nothing happened. So on the one hand, there's two points over here. The first point is the rabbi has to be eulogized properly. And it's not just, you know, a one-off. At the funeral, eulogize him and finish. He was our Rebbe for 30 years. Okay, we just have a nice funeral and goodbye. No, it's that you, you spend more time eulogizing. Now, a lot of ways to eulogize, you can maybe say over his Torah, and it's, oh, you know, the rabbi said this about this. There's proper ways to eulogize. And now that they should not learn at all, okay, so you go to your own house and learn with your chavrusah. So the base medrash is empty, at least for the either the one day or the seven days, to show that there is something tragic that happened. Okay, that's if it's just one rabbi for his one little shtibel. How about an av bezdin shemes? What about the the head of the bezdin in the city who dies? Then all the base medrashes in the city are closed for whatever time they do because they all learn Torah from the Av Bezdin. And then they enter their synagogue where they have to daven, but they daven and they change their places. In other words, if you generally daven in the shul, you daven in a different place. And that is a halacha that many mourners forget about, which is what's called changing your place. Okay, and this is a halacha for a mourner and for any uh, mourner and specifically for parents. Hayoshim b'tzafon, let's say you sat on the northern side. Now let's get our directions correct. Let's use the shul as an example. Okay, east is the Arna Kodesh. Okay, west is the back bookcases. North will be by... No. By the the yard site walls. Yes, right. If east yeah. Yeah, is here, west is here. No, where? North should be north. Should be north. Should be oh, north. I'm sorry. Look, north should be north. E, west. Oh, yeah, okay. You got it. Yes. North. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're sitting on that side. Yeah. Okay. So north will be the doors. Yes. And south will be the Yorkshire plaques. Okay, so if you were at the north... So let's just say Shelley's side is more north. <laughs> okay, so now what do you do? You go to the south. You go across. Okay. Hayoshi Dorom, someone's on the south. Let's say Steve is on more on the south. He'd go to the north. So let's say Steve and Shelley would switch seats. Let's say. Okay, now what is not mentioned? East or west. What happened to east or west? The answer is, it doesn't look like a significant change. Because it's the same direction towards the Arna Kodesh. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just a little further back, a little further That's <coughs> not as radical as a change as moving across. He'd have to go all the way to the middle west. No, so he would still have to go. He's, he's, south, he's south, still south. south. Well, he's he's saying he's in the south-west. Right, so he'd have to go more southwest. Uh, 
More north. South. Oh, so you have to go south or north. Well, right, that's so the point. He has to go south or north. That looks like it's a major change. If he just moves up, that's not considered a major change. All right, so that is the people um, left when the Avbezin dies. Nasi Shemes, now we're going up another level. The Nasi dies. Then, Bate Medrashas Kulam Betelim, all the base Medrashas are closed. And the people of the synagogue enter the synagogue. The reference is the synagogue of the city in which the Nasi died. And the uh, same idea. Vekorin. Vekorin. Shiva. Vyotsim. And they have seven people read from the Torah on the Shabbos. And then they leave the synagogue. Okay. What does that mean? It's on the Sabbath that seven people are called to the Torah, Mondays, etc. Throughout the week of Shiva, they do not pray together in the synagogue as usual. Rather, each prays at home. They gather at the synagogue only for the Torah reading. Prayer with a minion is canceled in honor of the deceased Nasi. The minion gathers only for the reading of the Torah, which would be canceled entirely in the absence of a minion. That's one shot. Alternatively, they gather to pray with the minion at the home of the mourner, meaning the Nasi's relatives. Some explain the Brites mean that only on the Sabbath do they gather in the synagogue to read from the Torah, and the synagogue not cease to function altogether. But during the week, they do not gather at the synagogue even for Torah readings on Monday and Thursday. Others, however, explain the price of means for the people to gather at the synagogue for all Torah readings, either also for Monday and Thursday. So it's different opinions of what they did if a Nasi died. Okay, Rabbi Shua ben Korcha Omer, he says, Lo So they're not going to shul, so what are they doing? It's not meant to be strolling around in the streets, okay? But they should sit at their home and be silent. Okay, from the Ram, it seems the reference is those who are idled from the study hall. Okay, others appears reference to those who leave the synagogue after the Torah reading. Okay. So, but rather what? The rips of there is sit and brood. This is a very hard idea for us to do nowadays. We don't know how to just sit and think. But that was, if the Nasi dies, that's what happened. Okay, so that deals with the death of them. Now the question is, okay, what do you learn in the house of a Beisavl? They ain't omrim shmua v'agodim Beisavl. And they do not discourse about Talmud or Gada in the house of a mourner. So now we're talking about the laws of the house of a mourner, and they sit and brood. Miri explains that the reference is even to discourses on the topic of mourning. They may discuss these matters informally, but not in the formal style of study. The Rifah maintains the price refers to areas of study other than those related to mourning, but mourning-related matters are permitted. So in other words, we don't do regular learning in the house of a mourner. And that's a different level. First of all, mourner can't learn. Questions about other people learning. Okay, so what do we do? Well, we basically, we just learn Mishnayas for, for the elevation of the soul. Or you try to learn certain Mishnayas that have some moral issue. So you're talking about death and mourning and that, things like that. But that's really only in order to say a Kaddish. That's really, that, that's only there really because Minchamarav, and you can't dive them right after another. So instead of letting people schmooze, that's the worst thing to do. So you just learn something, and then the mourner says a Kaddish on that. But any kind of formal learning, you have a bunch of people just learning, 
that you don't do. Of course, the mourner has to know the laws of mourning. She has to take care of that. Uh, okay. Amru Allah of Rabbi Hanania ben Gamliel. They said about Rabbi Hanania ben Gamliel, Sha'omer Shmu of Agar Vesel. He used to say discourses in Halach and Agar in the house of the mourner. Okay? Uh, be, uh, because he was from Yehuda, Shevet Yehuda. And Yehuda's opinion that mourning practices do not apply on the Shabbos. Uh huh. So he means on the Shabbos they would do that because you don't mourn. So it's an interesting machlokas. On Shabbos, we don't show public uh, shows of mourning, so would you be able to learn or not? So I guess if you're dealing with the Nasi who died, if we're not going to learn on Shabbos, that's really a public statement. But a regular mourner, if he just doesn't come to shul to learn, that's not a big deal. It's not such a public thing. Okay, good place to stop over here. And today's class was Le'ili Nishmas. Your father was Yisak Avram ben Nachum is the Shemesh of Aliyah. Amen. Amen.